I'm reading from the book of Hebrews chapter 2, and I'm going to read only one verse of Scripture, the very first verse, and Paul writing, and I believe it was Paul who wrote the book of Hebrews, uh, may not have been, but that's, uh, that's up to uh, you and the scholars to decide, but I feel like Paul wrote this book. But whoever wrote it, whether it was him or someone else, they said something wonderful and powerful in the second chapter in verse number one. He said, therefore, always remember when, there, when you read certain words uh, in Scripture, they are references. They are reference points. And so you don't just read that verse. You've got to go back and read what was said before that because Everything that was said before that is what brings us to what is being said here. Therefore, because of what has been said, because of what I've just mentioned to you, he said we ought, everybody say we ought, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Therefore, we ought to. Everybody say we ought to. We ought to give the more earnest heed, more careful attention to the things which we have heard. Lest, everybody say lest, at any time. Everybody say any time. At any time they should slip from us. And everyone said amen. I want to use that word that is mentioned. My subject today is <clears throat> slip. <clears throat> amen. Everybody say slip. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Wonderful presence of the Lord here right now. And I am thankful for that. There are two thoughts that are conveyed to my mind by this particular text. I have preached from it before, and I will preach from it again. But there are two thoughts that are conveyed. The word <clears throat> that is referenced here, uh, or at least what happened, what transpired uh, in this particular verse, was a slip. One translation actually uses the word drift. Uh, and it, it indicates that the thought of the writer was that uh, there was a drifting. And that is a serious concern. Drifting, uh, a drifting vessel is a dangerous vessel. Derelict vessel is what they call them. They are extremely dangerous on the seas and in the harbor. If you uh, do not believe that, you just go to YouTube and look at some of the carnage that came from uh, the tsunami uh, in Japan and that reached our western coast in the harbors where the water level was upset and those boats were caused to drift and in the drift they created a lot of havoc and chaos and a lot of damage. The word drift literally means to operate without power, to operate without 
power, to move without purpose. And Paul or whomever it was that wrote the book of Hebrews indicated that it was possible that in a person's life they could get to a point where they actually lived in that fashion, that they drifted, they were just a vessel on the sea and they were at the whim of currents and and tides and movements. And there was really, there was movement and that's what is deceptive. It, there's movement and, and we live in an age where movement is good, at least we think it is. As long as we're moving and doing something, we're all good with that. But some movement is dangerous. Some movement is extremely hazardous and that is movement without purpose. When there is movement without any sense of direction. And, and the indication from our scripture, from what we read, uh, is that it could happen at any time and it could happen to anybody. No one is in, uh, exempt from that particular thing happening. You, you don't have to do anything really bad to be in a drifting mode. No great sin, no glaring problems. The indication is that when the boat pulled up to the bank or to the harbor and the ropes were tied off, they were not tied off with care. And because of the movement of the waves and the up and down motion of the sea, there was the, the movement caused a loosening of those moorings and in, in time. It didn't happen suddenly in time. That vessel began to drift away. No glaring problems, no broken down motors, no broken sails. It was just a matter of drift. Operating without power. Operating without power in your life can be extremely dangerous. It is a dangerous way to live. And yet I have pastored long enough to know that there are a lot of people that get in that condition. They uh, they, they're just drifting. They have no sense of direction. They have no sense of purpose. They have no sense of eternity. And they come and they go with the tide and with the currents. Sometimes the currents bring them close to the church and, and they show up and then the currents move them away and they're out and gone and, and then they come back again and life for them is very, very dangerous. It's a dangerous way to live, moving without any purpose and carried by the currents of life. One of the saddest pictures that I know in life is for someone to have lost their purpose. There is nothing that is more sad than to see a life or a person that has lost their purpose and they have lost their focus in life and they've lost their sense of direction. Anybody know anything about anyone like that? Maybe you know somebody today that's in that frame of mind or they're in that particular situation. They're, they're, they're just, they, they've lost a sense of direction in their life. They've lost focus. They've lost uh, uh, purpose and they, they, there's no, no real meaning. And so they're just moving, but they're not moving with any sense of purpose. There is movement, but there's no momentum. There is movement, but there is 
no momentum. There's a lot of activity, but there's not very much accomplished. And that's drift. That's, that's the connotation of the word drift. It's moving without purpose, moving without direction, being carried by tides and currents. And we who live on the Gulf Coast know how strong currents are and how powerful they can be. I, I've watched myself, I have observed, and I have been mesmerized by the movements of water. I remember standing at the edge of the railing at Niagara Falls a few years ago and watching that water just continuously come over that. And you watch the volume of water and you're wondering, where does all of this come from and when is it ever going to end? And you stand there for an hour or two hours and it just keeps coming, pouring over. And I remember standing up. I got real close to the edge. And that, that's a chore for me because I am afraid of heights. And I got as close as I could get and I looked over and I felt this magnetism, the drawing of those waves, the, the movement of that water. It was as if I was being pulled over the edge almost because of the power of the currents. I watched the boat as they came up the lower side trying to come in close and how they had to navigate the currents. And you could see the eddies and the swirling of the water. I stood here at the Gulf Coast and watched the water come in and out, the tides come in and out. And I've seen how powerful the force is and how easily it can carry a person away from where they need to be. And it happens. People drift. They they drift. They they move without purpose. They move without any sense of momentum or any kind of accomplishment. They're just, they're, they're wandering stars is what Jude said. They're wandering stars. They're just there somewhere in the universe, but they're never in the same place. You know, stars are important for navigational purposes. And at night, they have been the source of direction for eons of time. Men have navigated the courses of the world by watching the stars, the North Star. They know where it's going to be. But a wandering star, how do you set your course when you're fixed to a wandering star? What a dangerous thing to do to set your a sight on something that's not fixed. It's every time you wake up, it's in a different part of the sky. Every time you wake up, it's in a different part of the hemisphere. And Jude said that there are people that are like that. They're wandering stars. They just drift across the universe. That's a sad picture. And there may be some here this morning that are in that condition, just drifting, just somewhere out there in God's universe. You're here one day and you're there the next day. And that's a sad, you don't have to live that way. That's a sad and terrible way to live. But there is something that is mentioned here that even more dangerous than drift. Something that is even more concerning to me than drift. And it is the word slip. Everybody say slip. Now the word slip is a nautical term and, and it goes back back into the time before steam engines and, and, and nuclear-powered subs. It goes back to a time when vessels were powered by the crudest of means. And, and, and that word in, in nautical terminology refers to something that happens from the, the energy source, which is the motor, to, to the propelling of that vessel forward. And, and as you understand that in a, in a ship, 
of what we're talking about in the bowels of that ship, there's a motor of some kind. It coal-driven or some kind of steam-driven engine, and they would stoke it, they would prepare it, they would bring it to its maximum level. And the power that was generated by that motor would then be transferred to a shaft that would turn. And that shaft would turn at a certain number of RPMs. And on the end of that shaft was a propeller. And then you had the effects of water. And I'm not a great sailor, but I do understand a little bit about water and And I do know that there is a shallow water that is considered thin and it's not suitable for making good time when you're trying to maneuver water. There's a deeper water that the propeller can turn into that will cause the the vessel to move forward quickly. But this term slip refers to what happens from the engine room to the actual movement of that vessel forward. It's called slip. That no matter how powerfully they stoke the motor and the engine, no matter how they rev it up, no matter how many RPMs they get it to, no matter how much combustion is going on inside the chambers, when it begins to transfer down the line, down the shaft, and then to the propeller, and then into the water, there is a certain loss of energy. There's a certain amount of that energy that is gone. It is wasted. It's lost. It cannot be recovered. And so they call that slip. And they have to factor that into their voyage. They have to factor that into how fast they can travel and and and, and when they're going to make the next port because they understand that no matter how hard they try, no matter how perfect the engines are running, there is a certain amount of slip involved. There's a certain amount of delay. There's a certain amount of loss of energy so that the vessel is going to be... Uh, uh, it's going to be longer getting from point A to point B than, than we first thought. And because of that loss of energy or that waste of energy, it happens uh, from the transfer from the motor. There is that issue of slip. And so that is factored in. They don't tell you that, but they factor that in. And I don't know, Brother Steve and some of these other men could probably tell me, but uh, my my limited understanding of the space shuttle is that they operate under a similar situation there. It's as good as they can tune the motors and as good as they can make the propelling and the, the, the propulsion of that vessel into outer space. They have to have motors in place that will they call, I think it's called gimbal. They will turn and keep that vessel because of the different elements that it's going to find facing it out there in the universe. And so there is in that space shuttle a certain loss of energy. It's natural. It, and so they count on that. And that's why they do certain things over and over and over and over again because repetition is the way to overcome that loss of, of energy and doing the same thing over and over and over again. And so there is that loss of energy. Even in a plane, there, from the time those, those jet engines crank up and, and as powerful as they are, by the time all of that energy is translated into movement, there is a loss of energy and then there is what we call slip. Everybody still with me? Everybody say slip. You didn't know you was going to get a nautical story this morning. 
slip is natural. It occurs, drifting may be an accident. You may not have tied up properly. You may have been careless in your putting into harbor and drift comes. You may have not counted on on certain things. You may have not counted on how strong the current. I, I remember when I first got my boat, uh, we had gone out to the lake and I remember I ran it up on the shore and I thought I had buried it in the sand far enough that I didn't have to worry. I didn't tie it up to anything. We got out and got to messing around and doing something and, and came back down to the shore and lo and behold, my boat wasn't on the shore anymore. I didn't count on those boats coming by and waves washing up and moving. That I had to swim out to my boat to get it back to the land. That was my fault. I was careless. I wasn't paying attention. But slip, slip happens naturally. You don't have to do anything wrong for slip to happen. You don't have to do anything bad for that to take place. It just is a natural process of life. As well as I've tried to prepare to to preach to you this morning. There's a certain amount of slip in my sermon. Because as well as I can craft my words and my thoughts and try to get to you what I feel God has put in my heart. there, there, There is the slip that comes from my heart to my tongue. I can't always say it the way I feel it inside. And then when it comes out of my mouth there's a slip from my tongue to your ear. And then from your ear to your feet, they're slip. And it's natural. It's natural. You don't have to be a sinner to be that way. You don't have to be a wicked person for that to happen. You don't have to be a liar, a cheater, a murderer, any of that. It's just natural. It happens naturally. It occurs without us even knowing it. And it happens with us trying our best. I'm going to help somebody this morning in living for God. Some of you have had a hard time understanding, Brother Hughes, I'm doing my very best, but I don't seem to be making any ground. I'm not gaining ground. I'm not, I don't seem to be going anywhere. What's wrong? And so we get to looking at ourselves as if something is wrong with us. And the, the fact of the matter is, there's not wrong there. It's just something that is natural that we have to be aware of and we have to be conscious of that takes place. And it, it, it happens to everybody. Slip not only is natural, but it occurs in every area of our life. In every area of our life. We see more than we can say. Now, how many of you have, I don't know if anybody's like me, but before I say something, I I don't usually try to spout off. Now, every once in a while I do, but I always get in trouble when I do that. I'm not like women that have 45,000 words. I only have 25,000, and I have to use them carefully. And I'm not blaming women, but you women can think on your feet and talk, and you can say things, and we men just get, we just kind of shrivel up and so. But when I want to, when I really want to get something to, I sit down, I think about it, and I think about these sweet things I could say to my wife. You ever been that way? You'd say, man, you just you're gonna be down on that one knee, and you're gonna have that look in your eye, and you're gonna say, honey, there is nobody like you. And when I get down on my knee and I actually say it, it doesn't come out anything like that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's called slip. That's called slip. 
as good as you think it, you can't get it to always come out that way. An artist, as good as he is, cannot capture on canvas everything he sees in his mind and in his, in his, his spirit. He tries, but he can't capture everything. But you know what? Neither can you, when you step up to that painting, capture everything that that man put on that canvas because of something called slip. And it happens in every area of life, every area. The best intended people have slip in their life and didn't even know it. I'm not saying you're wearing a slip, man. I'm just saying you have slip in your life. Amen. It occurs. Words in our mind are always more perfectly said than we actually can say them. And the picture is in, in our soul is lovelier than the work on the easel. How many of you have ever tried to describe something that you've seen? A sunset. Anybody ever seen just an, an incredible sunset and you try to tell somebody about it? And when you start trying to tell them, you just like, what? And finally, you just, you just should have been there. That's, you just should have been there. Why? Because slip happens. Not intentional, not on purpose. It's a natural process of life and it happens to every one of us. No matter how hard you try, you can never replay it the way it was. Everybody say slip. It occurs at many points, at many places. It's not just a one-sided thing. It happens in many areas of our life. And there is more slip in some times in our life than in others. There is more loss of spiritual energy. There is more loss of power at some times in our life than at others. Different events in life and different seasons in life can cause us to understand this even more. David, the great man David, the great songwriter David, the, the powerful king David, the giant killer David, the warrior David. The Bible speaks of him in terms that cause you to stand back and, and say, oh, my, what a man, what, what a man of God. And yet I find in his life a season, a season in his life when he did not plan to and he did not intend to, but he created and committed one of the greatest errors of his life. And that was a season when kings go out to battle and David stayed home. And you know the story. He wanders out one night to the rooftop just enjoying the cool of the evening and looks over to one side and there is this beautiful woman taking a bath. And he lusts after her. He, he allows his passions to get away from him. And the next thing you know, he's calling for her to come in and things happen and the next thing you know, she's expecting and the, the spiral downward, but you take David back to that moment in time. If you took him back to that moment in time when he was standing there with the sword in his hand deciding whether he was going out to battle, or he said, no, I'm going to stay home today. 
He had no idea the slip that would come in his life during that season of his life. I've often heard it preached, and I've preached it, I guess, a few times myself about Simon Peter and his great failure, how he denied the Lord and how how embarrassing it was. Here was a spokesman. Here was a man who had stood up just a few days prior and had, had said, oh, everybody else will leave you, but I will never forsake you. I, I'll never leave you, Lord. I'll be, I'm going to go with you. He's even the one that took out the sword and, and t- tried to take a guy's head off and missed. He was just such a bad aim. He only got his ear. That's, that's Peter. And yet a few hours later, little maiden comes by and points a finger at him and said, you're one of them. You're, you're one of them. Oh, no, 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 not me. No, not me. Not me. I'm talking about the same Peter that stood up just a few days before that and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. I'm talking about the same Peter that just a few hours before had looked him in the eye and said, everybody else may leave you, but I'm never going to leave you. And the woman comes by again, and the third time she comes by, And she says, I know you're one of them because your speech betrays you. And the Bible said he cursed. He cursed. Things came out of his mouth that he he couldn't, he, he didn't plan on saying all that. The next picture you have of him is after the resurrection, or at least an image of him. Jesus appears to some of his disciples and he said, I want you to go tell the disciples I want to meet them. And I love the way, I believe it was Mark who wrote it or Luke. He said, and tell Peter that I want to see him in Galilee. And then in the end of John, the the, the 21st chapter of John, John has gone or or Peter has said to his fellows, he said, I I don't know what's going on here. I, I don't know what to tell you, but... Uh, I'm going fishing. And so everybody else just tags along and they go get in the boat and they get back out in the water. They go out on the Sea of Galilee and they fish all night and they don't catch anything. The next morning when they're beginning to make their way in, they see an image on the shore and over there is somebody with a fire and somebody calling out and he says, have you any meat? Have you have you caught anything? And and, and they had to answer him, we, we haven't. And then the conversation that ensued, revelation came. They realized who it was. It was Jesus. John, he, he, he had taken his clothes off. He covered himself back up. Somebody jumped in the water and swam to shore, anxious to get there. When they got there, the Lord had provided a meal for them. And then he begins to converse with Peter. And he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, thou knowest. He said, feed my sheep. And he came to him the second time and he said, Simon, do you love me? I've always preached, and I, I mean, I say I've always, I've always heard preach that because Peter had denied him three times, the Lord was going to make him confess to him three times before he could put himself back in right standing. But I don't believe that. I, I don't believe that was the reason. First of all, I don't believe God torments us in our, in our failure. I don't believe God hangs stuff over us when we've made a mistake and say, Huh, I want you to look here. Now, this is what I've got to forgive you. Now, come on, get down. Get a little lower. Get, get a little lower, a little lower, a little lower. God doesn't operate that way. So what was he trying to do? 
He was trying to do what I'm trying to do this morning. He was trying to show Simon that even in the best of men, even in the strongest of men, even in the most spiritual of men, even in the most powerful of men, there's slip. There's slip. There is a loss of power. There is a loss of spiritual energy. As good as you try, as hard as you try, as diligent as you try, as faithful as you are, there's still a certain amount of slip and different seasons of your life. You find that there seems to be more slip then than in other times. And so the Bible said, go read it in John chapter 21. He said, he came to him and said the third time, the third time, he said, Simon, do you love me? And Peter said, oh, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. And I find in the Lord's tenderness with Simon Peter, the tenderness of which he has come this morning to remind us to take the more earnest heed, to pay attention to what we have received, to pay attention to where we live, pay attention to what we have heard, pay attention to what has been given to us, pay attention to what we have been told, pay attention because slip happens. And as good as you might be and as faithful as you might be, it still happens that you can allow something in life to get away from you. And in work it can get away. And you know what? It's beautiful. I thought about it while, I was, while these ladies were singing. That was such a powerful song that they sang while ago. That's such an incredible, the, the, the words of the song are so powerful. And yet there, there was a slip even in that. Because we did not receive the full benefit of what that song conveyed. If we had, more of us would have been on our feet than were. But there was slip. Some of us were distracted. Some of us were thinking about something else. Some, some of us were already thinking about the preaching. Some of us were thinking about after church. Some of us were thinking about the funeral. Some of us were just not even in the mood of any kind of thinking. And so we weren't. But there's slip. As much as they practice and as hard as they prayed that God would use that and anoint that, there was still a slip and we didn't get it all. And what's even more frustrating is that it, no matter how hard I try and no matter how well I prepare and no matter how I craft my words and no matter how I study, I understand that at my best I can only do so much and there's going to be slip. You're not going to get it all. You're not going to hear everything I need you to hear. You're not going to hear it in the way I need you to hear it. Perfect language, perfect subject, perfect outline, perfect text. Thoughts still wandering. Ears are still dull. And minds are still asleep because it's just life. Everything is not heard. Or everything is heard perhaps, but not all is comprehended. So you said, Brother, you, you preached me into depression already. <laughs> That's not the reason for my message. I had to preach you into depression before I could get you out. But this is the point, and it's a very simple point. The only remedy for slip is the continual vigilance, diligence and vigilance to know that it happens. The only remedy for slip is repetition. 
You have to keep checking the mileage. You have to keep checking the direction. You have to keep checking the speed. You have to keep checking the currents. You have to keep checking. That's why you need to come to church regularly. That's why you need to be in the house of God every time the doors open up. Not because you're a bad person and not because you're an alcoholic or an evil, but because there's slip in life. And every day we live, there's a little bit that gets away from us. But when we come to the house of God, God is able to draw us back in. God, through His Word, can bring us back in line. God, through His mercy, can put His hand on us and direct us back in the path. That's why you need to worship every time you come to church. That's why you need to sing every time you come to church. Oh, but I've sung that song before. I know those words. I've heard that a thousand times. But there's been some slip going on during the week. And you may have lost some of it. And you need to get it back. Hallelujah. That's why every church service ought to be a brand new experience. Because slip happens in the best of us. Slip happens in the best of us. And no matter how hard we try, no matter how diligent we are, there's going to be a little bit of loss. And that's why the Lord said that as you see that day approaching, you should assemble yourself together so much the more. So much the more. That's why the Bible talks about diligence so much. That's why the Bible talks about Carefulness so much. Sincerity. That's why when you read the writings of Paul and and Timothy and and you read of Peter and and Jude and James and and you listen to what they say, oftentimes they repeat some of the same things and you think, oh, I've heard that before. You know why they repeat it? Because they understand they're slip. Somewhere along the line, somewhere down life's road, you run into some currents and, and you lose some power. You lose a little energy. I don't care how long you talked in tongues last Sunday night. I don't care how much you shout and dance. When you come around the Wednesday, you're going to need a little bit more. Not because you're not spiritual. Not because you're a wicked person. But because something happens in life that pulls it out of us. And God has given us a church where we can come regularly and be refilled and rethrilled and renewed and repowered and given direction in our life. Oh, God, help me to understand the word of the Lord today. Lest it slip past It happens to everybody. That's why we can't afford to miss church. You can't afford to miss out. Because as good as you are, you're not good enough to compensate for something called slip. Amen. Don't take very long for you to get carnal. It happens from Sunday morning to Sunday afternoon. And it wasn't because you intended to. It's just life. You're driving down the road. I don't care how many spiritual thoughts you are. Driving down the road and some song comes on and it, it, and it pricks your mind or it stimulates your thinking and, and something uh, ugly or vulgar or vile comes into your mind. It, it, you didn't intend for that to happen, but it's, that's just life. It's slip. That's why we need to pray all the time. That's why we need to pray. That's why we need to have a regular prayer time. Because slip happens. That's why we need to worship regularly. That's why when we come to church, we need to open our mouth and sing every time we come to church. You say, Brother Hugh, I just don't get into music. 
Well, bless your little heart. You're going to be a misfit in heaven because in heaven there's going to be a whole lot of music. And I, I got another word for you. The Bible has a whole book about songs, a whole book called Songs. And it's right in the middle of your Bible. You can't miss it. It's the longest book in the whole Bible. What do you think God's trying to tell me? He's trying to tell you, I'm trying to give you everything you need to make it through life's journey. You're going to need a little prophecy. You're going to need a word of knowledge. You're going to need a word of wisdom. But you're going to have to learn how to sing as well. You're going to have to learn when you come to the house of God. I don't care if they sung the fuzz off of that song. I don't care if it's threadbare. Open your mouth and sing again. Because there's some slip in life. And when you sing that song again, God's going to come with power. He's going to bring something back into your life. He's going to anoint you again and give you something that will help you make it through life. That's why you need to come Wednesday night Bible study. Is, oh, I know that's out in Houston, but that's why you need it. Why? Because slip happens. And no matter how hard you apply those spiritual principles today, you're going to face something tomorrow that's going to take a little bit out of you. And the next day it's going to take a little bit out of you. You slip in here on Wednesday night, it's the same old Bible and the same ugly preacher and the same loud mouth, noisy guy. Some of you, I see. I know. That's all right. That's okay. I'm just going to keep being noisy and ugly and loud. I'm going to keep beating on this pulpit. Somebody said, Brother Hughes, are you afraid that you're going to damage that iPad? No, I got insurance on it, and that's why I got insurance. Because I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing. Why? Because they're slipping life. And as good as you are, and as faithful as you are, and as much as you pray, and as much as you give, things still happen in life that pull out of you. Spiritual energy. That's why you need to come every time you get a chance. That's why you need a preacher in your life. Not just to aggravate you. Some people think that the only reason the preacher is there just so he can aggravate me. I promise you, I may be aggravating to you, but that's not the reason God gave you a preacher. He gave you a preacher because he knew there was going to be some slip in life. He gave you songs because he knew there was going to be a little slip in life. And he knew that as life goes on, it's not the drift that is most dangerous. It's the slip. Because it happens to everybody. It happens without us even knowing it. It happens without us even recognizing it. And it happens all the time. And it happens in all seasons. God said, I'm going to give you a remedy for it. I'm going to give you a church. I'm going to give you a preacher. I'm going to give you my word. I'm going to give you songs to sing. Amen. I'm going to give you worship. So that in life's journey, you don't lose your course and you don't lose the direction of your life. But you keep moving with power. Amen. You may have been slowed down a little bit, but I'm still on my journey. I may have been knocked off course a little bit, but my engine's gimbal. That's what I love that word, gimbal. They just, they turn. They, they actually rotate fire so that they shove that rocket back over in its right path. And it goes a little further, and I don't know, wind resistance, 
weightlessness. I don't know what all happens up there, Brother Steve. Those guys are there. They're the whiz kids. They know how to tell you. But something happens, and, and it gets, and so that, that engine gimbals, and it pushes that thing back on. And, and that's what church does. That's what God does for us. That's what praying does. That's what worship does. That's what singing does. That's what fellowship does. It helps when we're getting out of course. Oh, we didn't know we were off course, but the computer did. God did. Woo! Come on, you can stand right now. You've heard enough. Slip. The reason we need it every day, every week, every month is not because we're wicked people. You know what? That's what's wrong with our world today. They think that church once a, once a month or once a week is good enough. Church, you know what I mean? You don't have to, you don't have to go to seed on this. Well, you might ought to go to seed on it. Because this is what God has given us to help keep us on course. This is what he gave us to help keep us on target. Oh God, help me today. Make church count. Make life count. To pray regularly. To worship regularly. Listen to me. To pray through regularly. Just to, just to pray through for no reason. Why do we have to wait until we're just just backslid as a goose before we decide, you know what, I need to pray through. Why don't we just do it regularly? That way it keeps us on course. Why do we have to wait until we get so far to the edge that we almost fall off the map before we decide, oh, I need to do something. So you know what I do? If you were to come into this church at any time and hear me praying, you'd probably think I was a backslid preacher. You would. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling If you were to listen to me pray, you'd think I was the most backslid preacher person in this whole church because you'd hear me doing a lot of repenting. Brother Hughes, what have you done? I don't know. But I know there's slip in life. I know that as good as I can be, it's not good enough. So I've learned in my walk with God to pray through regularly. And I can tell you this morning, the only reason that I'm here, the only reason that I can preach to you this morning is because God has kept his hand on me. I've come to church when I didn't feel like coming to church. I've, I've, come, I've preached when I didn't feel like preaching. And I've, I've kept my mouth shut when I should have opened it probably at times, but I haven't. But I'll tell you this, I have never, 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 never come to church without somewhere in that experience God touching my life in a way or in a place and helping get me more in line with His purpose. Amen. I'm not preaching to a bunch of bad people here. I'm preaching to some of the best people on the face of the earth. Some of you slipped. Some of you slip. You, you're not as close to God as you were. You're not as spiritual as you were. You're not as warm. You're, you're, you're not as, as, as excited as you were. And there's nothing, nothing wicked about you, nothing evil about you, nothing cross about you. It's just life has a way. As we move through living, it has a way of taking out of us. They tell me that, that a vessel... That when that ship is, is moving, that the power in the engine 
is being transferred down the shaft and into the propeller. Even the, the water is factored in because if the, if, the, if the propeller stays up too shallow, it gets what is considered thin water, lightweight water, and it will not propel the vessel at, at, at the same speed that a deeper level of water will. And so there's rise, and, there's, and, and, and the captain has to take all of that into consideration. He has to factor all of that into the equation so he knows when he's going to make port. No wonder Paul said, Therefore, take heed, pay attention, sit up, wake up, look at your life, pay attention, take heed, lest at any time, lest at any time, those things that you have heard, those things that you have received, they could slip from you. Somebody here this morning, you don't feel real spiritual today. You don't feel like you're really close to God today. It's not because you're some bad person. It's just because some, some things happen, slip happens. That's why you need to come to an altar this morning. That's why you need to lift your hand and say, God, I need you to renew me today. I need you to touch my heart again this morning. I, I, I need you to stir my spirit again. I, I need you to warm my heart. I, I need you to draw me close. That's, that's why you need to get out from where you are and come and meet me here this morning. Not because you're wicked or evil or vile or mean or, or, or any of those things, but simply because slip happens. It, it just happens. And this is the way you can remedy. This is how you deal with slip in life. This is where you deal with it. This is where you handle all of those things that are unexpected. All of those things that are unplanned. You handle it here. Come on, that's right. You can come on. Everybody can come. Oh yes, let's come on to the altar this morning. Let, let's stand before the Lord and let's call upon Him just for a little while today. Oh God, help me. I need to be renewed in my spirit. I, I need to be renewed in my mind today. I, I, I've drifted toward the carnal man. I, I've allowed that old man to rise up in me. I, I've allowed myself to become weak, Lord. I, I didn't realize it was happening. I, I didn't know what was going on, but I, I'm not where I, I, I need to be. I, Lord, I, I see I'm... I'm not on the course that I was. I, I need you to help get me back on course. Uh, help get me back in the path where I need to be. Help me, God, to get a, to, to become stronger in you. Help me to become more like you. Come on, somebody lift up your voice to him right now. Somebody lift up your voice to him right now.